As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder, I'm here with Zach Kiefer, and we're back. Another episode of 1% Better, your, I hope, favorite Colts podcast. So, yeah, we haven't done an episode, Zach, one in a couple of weeks because, you know, there hasn't been a ton going on. But around here, there's always something going on, and it generally goes back to quarterback. So, we're coming to you, actually, from the NFL Combine. We're on Radio Row. we got the whole crew here from The Athletic. So, this is like a real production, just for little old me and Zach. Um, so that's kind of cool. The um, so the combine means access, and we talked to Coach Frank Reich and General Manager Chris Ballard, and most of that conversation or those conversations, Zach, were about you know who he who shall not be named. No, we got to name him. He's Carson Wentz, and he's the quarterback for now. Uh, we still don't think that's going to be the case for very long uh, i think your headline in your story zach was i think the perfect summation uh nothing we heard i think backed us off from any of the predictions that we have made i mean do you feel do you feel differently even by one iota after what you heard yesterday no i feel even more convicted yeah and we told you a couple of weeks ago on one percent better that we don't expect carson wentz to be back and i think if for those of you that listened yesterday to Frank Reich and Chris Ballard's press conferences, you couldn't walk away with any other outcome in your mind, with any other opinion. It was painful mm-hmm. at times, I thought. And we know these guys pretty well, Ballard and Reich. And I think it was pretty obvious if you read between the lines that the decision has been made. And they can't say publicly what they know privately. But it was very obvious to me that there was no backing of Carson Wentz. There was very little support of Carson Wentz, and when there was, it almost felt forced. Frank Reich said, look, I believe in Carson. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. Whether that's here or somewhere else, that's a tell right there. And Frank, and Chris Ballard was pressed on, well, if you believed in Carson Wentz, we wouldn't have this discussion right now about whether he would be back or would be not. And Chris said, well, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, that's fair. I don't want to say we don't <laughs> believe in him, but I'm not ready to say we believe in him. That's everything you need to know about this situation right now, and now it just becomes what they can get in return for a potential trade. But I think the writing was on the wall yesterday for those who watched. I, I think it's very clear. This is a matter of time. Yeah. So this happens every year with teams. They come to the combine, and they're asked about 
player X and that player's future. And they generally say the right thing. They're like, well, you know, we, we love the player and, you know, he's on our team and, you know, we have a bright, he has a bright future. And then they trade him like six weeks later, right? That happens. But, I mean, we know that happens and we, we know to expect that. What you almost never hear is them say, yeah, no, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing We'll do what's strongly. best for the team in the short term and the long term. That's what was so striking about it. Okay, I just listened. I've never heard that from no. them before. I just listened to John Lynch, okay, talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, who everyone knows is getting traded. Literally everyone knows he's going to be moved. And John Lynch's take was, yeah, you know, um, we're happy he's on our team. You know, we're, we think he has a bright future. Um, you know, yeah, he's got the shoulder injury, but, you know, we're – we're we're wanting for him to be healthy because he's a member of our team and talking about him like like he's got a future there, even though we know he doesn't. But the point is, even he didn't talk about Garoppolo in the terms that the Colts talked about Carson Wentz, which is unbelievable. So it's just I, I don't know what the point is. I guess all I'm saying is it's just so striking. And we, like you said, we almost never hear them talk about a player in these terms. And I just think it tells you everything you need to know. So let's go back two years ago. Last time they were in a similar situation, coming off 2019 season. Mm -hmm. Jacoby Brissett was the starter because Andrew Luck retired. Brissett had an up-and-down season. I think it's fair to say he he, he faded down the stretch. And what did Frank Reich say at the end of the year? He said, I think he's a top-20 quarterback in this league. Chris said, I love Jacoby Brissett. The vibe, at least in that immediate moment was they really liked Jacoby Brissett, and they ha- if they have to run it back with him, they're good with it. It was the opposite vibe yesterday. Yeah. It was the, I don't know if we believe in this guy. He did some good things. We all need to be better. We're going to do what's best for the short term and the long term. I think it was very telling. I think they're really stuck in an awkward position having to face reporters and questions, not being able to give the answer they know is going to come in the next couple of weeks. And we just have to kind of wait and see what happens next. But I think anyone who was doubting the outcome before yesterday, I'm not sure how you can doubt it right now. And, and by the way, I understand why people doubt it. Because there's no obvious solution. Right. And so, all right, and you and I have had this conversation. I had a very long talk with someone who is within position to know these things. And there's no, like, double secret plan that – they have to acquire a quarterback. There, there isn't one. They're still working through it. There will be a quarterback at some point. Someone will play quarterback. But that has not been even close to being determined yet. So I wanted to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, okay, maybe they got a line on something and, and they're going to work this out. No. Th- this is really all about, like, no, we just know we don't want Carson Wentz. Now, we can, we can argue about the merits of that approach, and we will, but, but that's not what this is, just to be clear. But I understand those doubts because – Human nature is like, okay, well, if, if I'm going to get rid of X, then i got to have a replacement. In this league, yeah, yeah at that right. position. Absolutely. And yet, they don't. <laughs> so. I think it's striking. The, the, the message I get from most fans, it, it falls into two courts. Well, if you know Carson's not the guy, move on from him. Don't right. waste another season. Don't just hope it gets better, right, and, 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 and hope things turn around even though you know who he is, right? I get that. On the alternative, I totally understand the fans that are frustrated because there is no obvious plan B. There's no, there's no golden goose. There's, Russell Wilson's going to play for the Seahawks next year, and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to play for the Packers. Now, remove reality. If those guys were available, go get them. I'm fine with that. I've said that before. But in reality, there is no obvious answer. And the fact that the Colts are willing to move on with Carson without a viable solution, at least right now, is telling. Yeah. And I think, and I've said this before, they might have to go backwards at quarterback. Yeah. 
You know, it's interesting. You know, we're simultaneously, we're, we're all working on stories, uh, a variety of stories this week. And one of the things that I'm working on is just like, you know, how we, we know it's been very well documented. Like the value of quarterbacks have grown over the years, right? And the, the, the rules have, have certainly impacted that. The, uh, the evolution of the game has impacted that. I mean, you, you have to have a quarterback of a certain ilk really to go a long way in this league, it's, it appears, for the most part right now. Uh, so I talked to Eric DaCosta, the Ravens GM, about this earlier. And <laughs> he was so forthright about it. And he had a great quote. He said, you know, that, that Super Bowl we won back in 2000, which I think was the, the Trent Dilfer Super Bowl, he said, you know, that probably doesn't happen today. And they had an all-time great defense. And I think he's, he's right. And he's like, you know, I don't think that happens today. So what I'm getting at is the point that you make, maybe they do go backwards, maybe they don't, but, but they know they don't have the answer right now. I, I think you have to agree. Uh, their bar is not make the playoffs. The bar is they want to really like contend. They got to beat the Titans. They got to win the division. Yeah, they they want to contend. And in the AFC, if you want to contend, you're not doing it with Carson Wentz. Now, I know it feels good to get in the playoffs, and it feels good to like maybe you know win a game and like you know you get that rejuvenating feeling and all that. But like, what's in the grand scheme? What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe nothing much. If your goal is to win it all, right? Let me ask you this: They've got good pieces. Like, let's not overlook what I'm at. Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Nelson, Kelly. I could go on and on. Kenny Moore and Buckner and Leonard. Are they a quarterback away or are they not? Well, this leads to another important question, and I think it is a question. And I think that's something that I think we probably need to spend more time talking about. They are – because I will say this, because I think we have, we have operated as if they were a team that is a quarterback away. And then I saw some things at the end of the season that made me feel like maybe I'm jumping the gun there. I, I don't know, and I think it's hard to know, but I, but I do think that is something we shouldn't rubber stamp. Agreed. You know what I mean? Like, right. Let's stop giving the offensive line the benefit of the doubt the way they played the last couple of weeks. Sure. The skill I, position players. I think there's a couple of things. I, I look at this team, and, and this is something I've said on this podcast before. They have, they have a lot of good players, a lot of good depth in certain areas. They also have some shortcomings in some really critical spots. And I think that is the kind of thing that in this league you, it is really hard to overcome. How do you overcome just the, the lack of speed on the outside on offense? Like, you know, the, the good teams have that. I mean, you, know, you can talk about – look at the teams that advanced okay, this year. It's not just the quarterback. They all had that too. I mean, the Bengals had it. The Rams certainly have it. The, uh, the 49ers have just you know, maybe the uni- most unique D-ball. player in the league Chiefs, in that Bills. regard, right? So the Chiefs, the Bills, exactly. So uh, they, those are teams that you – know, and this is something I was going to get to later, just the, the approach of Chris Ballard which is outside, um, excuse me, inside out, which makes sense in theory. But then when you get to the outside, you can't just, like, gloss over it. That's what they've been doing for <laughs> you know? four years. Right. So it, it is an interesting question, and, and I think they're all interrelated, that, the quarterback, and all that. I mean, again, the goal is to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they're probably not going to get a Super Bowl-worthy quarterback right now, but they have other things that they need to address. So I, I don't know. I, I think – Here's the question, though. If you're not a team that is a, a quarterback away from the Super Bowl, they have to decide that. They maybe think they do. They, they maybe think that they are that team. I don't know. But, but if, you, if you maybe have doubts about that, then how does that inform the rest of this offseason? That's the biggest question entering this offseason. If you remove the quarterback debate, yeah. which is taking up all the airspace, and we understand why. And I asked this to Chris Ballard yesterday. I said, 
Look, you've been very adamant about the way you want to build your team. You want to build from the inside out. You've skimped at wide receiver. That's the reality, mm-hmm. right? They haven't made a lot of draft picks, a lot of high draft picks at wide receiver, the exception being Michael Pittman at the top of the second round a couple of years ago. They've continually just signed free agents, street free agents that have been playing big roles late in the season. It hasn't been good enough. They've got hardly nothing at tight end. Do you rethink your philosophy in light of the way the Bengals won, the Rams won, the Chiefs, the Bills, in the light of the way the game has shifted towards you've got to be able to throw it, you've got to have talent on the outside? The Colts are win, they're, they're built to win in 1992. <laughs> they really are. Yeah, they kind of are. can they win in 2022 with the way the roster has been constructed? And Chris, he said, look, I've, I've thought a lot about that. You made me think. He's not going to change his obsession with the O-line and D-line, but he did say a couple things. He said, wide receiver, we got to get better. It's the first time I think he really said that. And I didn't like his answer to that question in January. Me he neither. said He tried to you know, defend the merits of, uh, of the list they had, including Zach Pascal. And I'm like, it's, it's very obvious to everyone out there who watched this team, they were not good enough at wide receiver, especially yeah. after Michael Pittman this year. And then on the D-line, we're talking about edge rush, and he said, we're going to do something there. That was as adamant as we've yeah. seen from him in this setting at the Combine the last couple of years saying, we've got to get better. I didn't address it. And then secondly, we're going to make some moves at the edge rush position. We'll see what happens. But I think it's pretty obvious that they understand the premium positions in this league right now as the league is working. They're not good enough. Left tackle, yeah. receiver, tight end, and obviously quarterback. You know, positional value is something that we've talked a lot about you know, from time to time over the years on this podcast even, uh, and it, it's something that interests me. Like, I've written stories, I've written a story about the Colts and how uh, they had, uh, I think, the third most uh, cap investment in their offensive line league-wide. Uh, okay, so that, that's, that's not going to go down anytime soon. No, it's not. It's going to go paid. up. They're going to be number one this year, probably. Uh, I'll have to re- rerun the numbers, but I mean, they could be number one this year. Okay, that's that sounds good in theory, <laughs> but like, you don't... That's not necessarily – it hasn't Bengals, won them anything. The, where did the Bengals rank on that list? Well, not The way their offensive enough. line played. And they were four points away from a world championship. Right. Now, that's not sustainable, Grant. It's not. We know We know how that ends. We know. Right. You know, listeners. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, Joe Burrow did tear his ACL two years ago, right? Right. But anyway, I do think that is is very interesting. I, I think that they are a team that – uh, the way they're constructed, it's very interesting. Look at their best players. Their best players are a running back, a left guard, um, a will linebacker, a f- who's a 4-3 linebacker. A three-tech. Yes, definitely DeForest Buckner, which that one matters a lot. But but I probably would rather my best pass rusher be an edge rusher. And my <laughs> best know? offensive player, 10 times out of 10, I'd rather have him be the quarterback or the receiver. Yeah. Not the running back. Nothing against Taylor. He's immensely valuable. Right. But they became a run-first team in November and December, and they were hot, and they realized they couldn't throw the ball, and you guys know what happened against Las Vegas and Jacksonville. Right. So they're, they're, they're a very interesting uh, collection of talent. And it's funny because, like, Chris Ballard gets a lot of credit for drafting those guys. They're great players. He, yes. I wonder if he changed his – or not even changed. Change is too strong a word. If he altered his – uh, his so for focus, I guess, a little bit, just a little bit. Could you produce the same results at other spots? Maybe you could. You know, maybe he could draft amazing wide receivers. Go I draft mean, David Bell. Do it. <laughs> right. He's yeah. an awesome player. Uh, you know, so I, I, I don't know. It's an interesting question. Um, like I know he can, I know he can draft. There are certain spots he, he can certainly draft. The offensive line they've crushed, right? I mean, they have Braden Smith. 
uh, who was never even supposed to be a, a right tackle, supposed to be a guard, and turns into you know seventy-two million dollar player, right? So th- they're really good at at certain spots. Uh, they've they've certainly shown a blind spot at, at defensive end. They have invested picks there, but maybe that's just a, an anomaly. But but it is interesting. The focus for him has been very very clear over the years, and this is the first time I'm hearing a little bit of a crack in that. And it, do you think that? Because I know how Jim Mercer feels about positional value. I know what matters to him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is the guy who, who went to the Star Wars era, right? So I, I do wonder if some of those conversations have impacted Chris Ballard and his thinking. Was I the wonder. Star Wars era that bad? I know that they'd only won one Super Bowl, but they scored 40 points a game for 10 years. So. How, much, how much fucking money did Jim Mercer make in that era? Okay, let's just call it what it is. <laughs> okay, so, like, what are we complaining about, Jim Mercer? You <laughs> could win any game at any time with that offense. Right, so I think I agree. And, 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 and we know Jim Mercer well, and you guys as, as a fan base know Jim Mercer and how he thinks and how badly he wants to win, and he's, he's very adamant that he will not overstep his bounds as an owner. He will not become Bob Ursay and, and tell Chris how to run the team and tell Coach Frank Reich, how to coach the team. But he does make one exception. And what is that one exception on the field? The quarterback. And he will have a say, and he has had a say so far, in how this will handle moving forward. The move with Carson Wentz last year, he had to be convinced. He had to be convinced by Frank Reich. Frank Reich, in his own words yesterday, said, I stuck my neck out for him. Yeah, He did. It didn't work out. And the shame of it is, 13, 14, 15 games into the season, it mostly had worked out. I've wondered this question a lot. If they had won that game in Jacksonville and, and made it to the playoffs, are we having this com- conversation right now? It's really hard to say. I, I don't think we're having it with the same emphasis. You know, yeah. I, I think there might be questions depending on how the playoff game went, right? Yeah. But but I don't think there would be the same vitriol. I mean, yeah. not that I'm profi- not that I'm expressing vitriol but there is vitriol it was the worst way for it to end yeah yeah yeah. there's no question about it i think that it it was a perfect storm uh that that only a very specific set of circumstances could produce and here we are and i asked frank Reich that question yesterday are you surprised that you're answering these questions about carson wentz just one year in is carson surprised that he's essentially uncertain about his future i mean carson bought a house in indy he told me multiple times i want to be here for the long haul (laughs) 12 months later, he's in limbo. That's the reality. Here's my question to you. Let's think about this short term. The Colts' goal right now is very obvious. They need to chase and catch Tennessee. They need to win the division. Frank talks endlessly about how disappointed he's been. They haven't won the division. So they're going to move on for Carson Wentz. That's my expectation. Let's say they get a comparable quarterback. I don't know the name. Let's just say for argument's sake, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. That requires a pick. Let's say they add a little bit of tight end and receiver. They spend some money. Maybe Quiddy Pay takes a step up. I'm just doing the best-case scenario. You could win the division with I that. Think. If you don't lose games at quarterback, they lost a couple last year. If you get a little bit more dynamic in the passing game, and if Quiddy Pay and, and maybe Deo make a step up, I think he's a little bit of a question mark. But the ingredients are there, and it's not like Tennessee is uncatchable. It's not like they're the Packers with Rodgers. It's not like – I mean, you played them – to the gun this year with Carson on two bad ankles. And you had him in overtime this year after being up 17-0 to when Tyquan Lewis has taken that interception back. So long story short, Tennessee is catchable. They have Tannehill. They're not moving that much forward with him. 
That's why these moves in the next couple of weeks will be very, very instrumental. I don't think they need to do colossal changes, but they need to find the right guys. Now, you just hit it on the head. Look, I, I think all it, is not lost. Yeah, yeah. It's easy. It's easy to to get too emotional about this from a fan standpoint, right? And look at look at the outcome of this the season, particularly the last two games, and going from safely in the playoffs to out of the playoffs completely. The team nobody right? wanted to play to the team yeah. nobody did play. <laughs> it's just perfect. And so, all right, it's very easy to get, like, emotional about that, angry, whatever your reaction wants to be, whatever your particular reaction is. However, I think you're right. I think, look, I, we talked, we sort of debated whether they're a team that's a quarterback away. I don't know if they are or are not. But I will say they're, they're good enough that with the right moves, they could be right in the thick of things. Now, I'm not talking Super Bowl, but, I mean, like, they could be in the playoffs. They can be a team that can win in the playoffs in some, at some that's level. That's the guilt. That's the aim right now. Right. That's right, where right, this right. team needs to be. Walk before you crawl, right? But I think, yeah, absolutely. Look, they can – the good news is they don't have to worry about, you know, oh, how are we going to protect the quarterback? Well, you have a good offensive line. Uh, you, you certainly have a threat at running back for whatever you think that's worth. Jonathan uh, Taylor will win you three games next year by right. himself. He's that right. Good. He beat the Bills who were – they could have won the Super Bowl right. by himself. You, you have ridiculous speed on defense. Uh, I mean, if you if you supplement all of that with you know, whether it's a, a free agent pass rusher or just some dynamic rookie, or you supplement it with you know uh, a, a deep threat wide receiver who now gets the, that safety to back off or whatever the case might be, uh, tight end they got to they got to do something with that to. position. Spend it's too important money. to the Spend offense. Spend some money. Yeah, it's too important to the offense. So I mean, like. Those are very, very doable things for a team with a lot of cap space. Don't have the first round pick, granted, but like they still have, they have their other picks they can work with. Uh, they have the ability to solve those problems. Now, the quarterback situation is probably not going to be uh, the solution they want, but you know, you make some level of a change there. I actually think uh, they could be a very viable team. I think they're contending. I, the the I think it's fair to say that and. The shame of this is, and I was having a conversation with this about this topic the other day with someone. I expect them to have five quarterbacks in five years. That's yeah. a reality. That's almost unforeseen for a team that hasn't bottomed out, right? This isn't the Browns of the early 2000s. This is a team that's been in the playoffs twice. Should it have been in the playoffs three times? And if you look at the numbers, this is pretty telling. They're 11th in wins over the last four years mm. with four different quarterbacks, two of which did not help them, Jacoby, Carson. Yeah. They're ninth in total offense over the last four years. Ninth. With four different quarterbacks, four very different skill sets. Think about how different Andrew Luck plays the position. Then you move to Jacoby Brissett. Then you move to Phillip Rivers, who's completely different. Then you move to Carson Wentz. I think Frank Reich is pretty good. Maybe that's a crazy statement, but I think more of this was on the quarterback at the end than the coach. And, and I'll eat my words if I'm wrong on that. But, man, it would just be nice to give this guy a quarterback for two years. So It'd just, it, it just be nice. This is a perfect segue because I wanted to talk about just let's say they move on from Carson Wentz as we anticipate. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but it may not be someone who's elite. It's certainly not going to be an elite quarterback. We don't anticipate that, right? I talked to a GM yesterday who was like, yeah, you know what? I expect two big moves this offseason. And he said, Jimmy G and Deshaun Watson. End of list. That's literally what he said. Okay, this current GM. And so let's say he's right. So they're going to end up with, you know, G- Jimmy G's like probably like the best case scenario. They're, not, they're probably not getting Deshaun Watson. We don't have any it's ammunition. Jimmy right? G, Mariota, so, Trubisky. Right. So let's say that happens just for argument's sakes, shits and giggles. I actually think to your point about Frank Reich, I think that he is 
actually a, a, a good enough offensive strategist that he can get you enough easy throws because we've seen this happen. Philip Rivers, 2020. Yes, that if you, if you execute the offense the way it's designed, all of a sudden now it's very, very functional. I don't think they got that at the they end. They did not get that. They didn't get the anticipation. They didn't get – He doesn't – He didn't so make the layups, right? Carson Wentz – I learned this this year because I wasn't an expert on Carson Wentz, but one of the biggest problems with him is I think he makes hard things oh, – excuse me, he makes easy things hard. Yes. <laughs> you does. know what I mean? Yes, like, he does. That is – the, you're that's not helping career. the team. That's you're actually career. working against the team. Yep. So, like, Frank Reich draws up all these great plays, the mesh, the, all these, you know, the, the throwback plays, all this stuff. And, like, and the read is there. And he just, ah, that, that split second the hesitation. The crazy thing is, and there it goes. He makes great plays in, in that scenario sometimes. He yes. really does. And he, he deserves credit for that. But he also makes things much more difficult than they need to be. And a lot of times it backfires. And it backfires in spectacular fashion. Yes. Look, Frank Reich is one of the best at, at scheming guys open. I mean, who's the best? He had, he had T.Y. Hilton in 2018 was, was certainly, I would say, a relatively elite receiver. That's pretty much the only elite receiver play he has had uh, in his four years as a head coach. And yet he did, I thought, a phenomenal job of scheming guys open in, in recent years. Think I mean, about look, all the crossers you've seen. Yes, absolutely. They're, they're one of the best. And, I mean, Philip Rivers. Ebron. Ebron. Yes. One-on-one mashups all day. And you can say whatever you want about Ebron, but the guy caught 14 touchdowns and they, yeah. they won nine of ten games. So, you know, I think those plays didn't, like, stop working, you know, just for some mysterious reason. They didn't work because they weren't executed properly in many ways. I think they, they need some help at the skill position, too. Don't get me wrong. But, but certainly uh, – even if you diminish the value of a running back, you still have to account for Jonathan Taylor. And even despite that, with teams having that to contend with, they still couldn't really get those those matchups. At least maybe the matchups were there, and but the throws weren't. Chris you know? made this point multiple times after the season. Ballard said this. He said, Naheem Hines is one of our elite skill position guys. There's mm-hmm. three of them. We know who the other two are, Pittman and Taylor. He said, we didn't get him the ball enough. And he said that yeah. twice. And that's that's probably on the quarterback more than the coach. But everything goes into it, but you got to get Hines the ball because when they play their best, Hines is involved. Think about the Jets game. They put up 45 points. I could go on and on, but you need to get better. But I think, I think we're starting to see this. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there's former Colts offensive corner Nick Sirianni, who, by the way, he, this guy, he's, he's a carpetbagger. He's wearing a Philadelphia 76ers hoodie. Like, come on, dude. I was like, like, he's in bright blue. You're just, you're just, just, that's just too transparent. Come on, man. <laughs> I talked to, to Nick earlier. He's, he's a good dude. I, like, I love Nick. Good uh, dude. I did, I did think they missed him a little bit, too, by the way. Uh, but anyway, he's a good game planner and such. But, uh, but, I, but anyway, back to their point. I do, think that, I do think that Frank Reich becomes a better play caller when he just has a guy who, who executes what he's drawing up. That's sometimes what it boils down to. That's the know? frustration that Carson carried with him from Philadelphia, and I yeah. think that's a fair criticism of his, of his play this year. And I think yeah. Frank probably deserves some blame for that. He called a lot of games – almost with the assumption that, that Carson would do the exact right thing that he's supposed to do. And if Carson <laughs> improvises and, mm-hmm. and makes stuff happen and, and it blows up in his face sometimes. So that's the hard thing about coaching that. But I don't think Frank will be coaching, coaching Carson next year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so either. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So there's some other things to, to hit on here. Uh, well, first, this is indirectly about Carson, but like the, the trade market, I think we may or may not have addressed this on the last pod, but um, I've looked at this, and I still think they can get something. I, I don't think there's going to be a ton of movement. And if there isn't, you know, I, I don't see Russell Wilson moving, for example. Look, th- this is not a very scientific position or th- explanation, but like with – with Russell Wilson, for example, or Pete Carroll is 70 years old. Do you think he wants to go babysit a rookie quarterback in his final years on the job? I don't see it happening. You don't trade Russell Wilson. Right. Why, why do that? Why? why, make, the, why, why make it the next guy's problem. Why create a problem? <laughs> right. It's such a big problem. So I don't see that happening. The Packers, I, I mean, all, for all the bluster last year, right, what happened? The guy went right back to Green Bay and played. Uh, they're going to they're gonna probably – They'll figure something out. They'll either pay him or give him what he wants in terms of you're going to need a first acquiring other players to get Aaron absolutely. Rogers. And uh, Denver, Denver's probably the fallback, but it's probably right. unlikely at that. So you know that's not happening. So I, so I do think there's going to be if you, if you're a team out there uh, who wants to acquire a quarterback, if you're Washington or something, you know, I think do you have to have this conversation. You know, like, okay, well, if Carson Wentz is available, we got to at least investigate it, right? I've heard a lot, and this is like beat writers talking, but I've heard a lot sure. from, like, Tampa Bay and Washington yes. and, like, like Pittsburgh. Like, they'd take Carson Wentz. You know, and this is the beat writer talking. This is not a report or anything mm-hmm. like that. But, but, it's the, like, but those are sometimes the best sentiments, I to, feel like. You know, yeah. Tampa's got a good roster. Pittsburgh's got a pretty good roster, you know. I think there's a market. Yeah, I don't want to say what it is, but I think no, there's not, something. I'm not saying you're getting a first round pick. I mean, no. but I think yeah. no. Howie Roseman's still laughing about that. But. No question. Uh, but I think you know. I, I think the conversation starts. It, does it start at the third, and then you see what happens? I mean, they may bluff. It, they may sort of balk at that, and then you say, "All right, we'll take a fourth, right? But that's how it works. So we'll see. You, you start high, and then you, you negotiate from you're there. Gonna, the Colts are going to have to eat their losses to some degree. I think yeah. that's a reality. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I think Garoppolo, I, that one, I, I, it's harder to tell because it depends on how you see him. You know? You can sell him as a guy who's been to an NFC Championship game in a Super Bowl in the last few years. And was up 10 in both games. That's right. In the fourth quarter. That's right. We should ask DeForest Buckner about that first one because he was the best player on the field that day until Mahomes took over. But. He was. So do you view him that way or do you view him as the guy who just, you know, doesn't have a big arm and, you know, has a tendency to get hurt and make key mistakes and, you know, a lot of the things we talk about with Carson Wentz, right? So it depends on, on what, you, what you see when you look at him. But, uh, but I think he's got a little more value. He's going to have a little more value, I think, just by virtue and, of his recent success. And they don't have to move him. I understand no. they want to move to Trey Lance. I understand that. But I think that helps the 49ers in terms of their leverages. 
they love him there. Like the yeah. players love him, and I think all of this kind of plays into it. And, and I think the Colts are in a much different spot where everyone knows they want to move Carson. Yeah. So that that'll be those will be the dominoes that fall next. I think. So we'll see. Um, now, the coaching staff has been a story. Frank Reich's staff is really this is the most change he's un- that it's undergone since he took over. I mean, he he certainly we just talked about Sirianni. He left last year. Uh, so, but that was a pretty seamless change. Brought up Marcus Brady uh, from quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator. Uh, they they definitely had a move at wide receiver coach last year. So there were some other moves, and there were some some, some revamping because Nick took some of his coaches. But this year, this we've not seen anything like this. No. So Matt Eberflus goes to Chicago, takes basically the entire defensive staff. I think the, is there going to be any carryover on defense? Not on Everybody's going to be new, right? So. The entirely an entirely new defensive staff. That's new. That's different. But also some changes on offense. I mean, uh, I want to just clarify this. I mean, you, you know about the change that might grow at wide receiver. That was – I've gotten a lot of questions about that. That was definitely a, a personal decision, a family-related decision. It has nothing to do with uh, the team or his contract. I mean, they, they wanted him to stay. It was more like – he had – it was a family opportunity. It was advantageous for them to go to the New York area. So that's what happened there. Uh, but there's going to be some significant changes. I think – I want your take on this. Clearly a move by Frank Reich to get some, some former Colts blood onto that coaching staff. I think that's interesting. It doesn't always work. But, it, but I think he's got some guys with whom it can work. I mean – uh, the the biggest name here is Reggie Wayne, who is in who's talked to them about a role. Is that do we think that might be wide receivers coach or something else? What do we think? Yeah, look for that early next week. It should be done. He'll be the wide receivers coach. Frank's been trying to get him for four years. That, that was a very interesting revelation yesterday. Cato June, who's been uh, coaching for now for I think about six seven years, started as former high school. By the way, I mean, and Frank was really impressed by that that he did it the hard way. And then Mike Mitchell who I remember you writing about this, uh, he just became a really important mentor to that secondary in his, what, did he, was it one season he was here? Yeah, he yeah. was a coach then. He yeah. was literally a coach yeah. then. So I, I he taught think, Quincy Wilson how to watch film. Yeah, I think it's, it's easy to say. Fans always think, oh, this former player would be a great coach. I, that's generally not true. <laughs> but I think these guys have demonstrated why they would be a good coach. I mean, Reggie, at like 34, was still working harder than everybody else. I mean, it's ridiculous. I think if you look at it as a whole from the outside, you can say he's just hiring a bunch of former players to mm-hmm. make Jim Mercer happy, make the fans happy. Maybe they're not the best qualified guys. Reggie's never coached full-time before. But if you look at them individually, I love these hires. Yeah. I and mean, I'm saying that objectively. I love the Mike Mitchell hire because of I had some great conversations with him in the locker when he was here about how he taught Quincy Wilson to understand the game. And Quincy's not really done a whole lot since, right? I mean, I think he got the most out of Quincy and. He was a mature guy who played a lot of years under Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. He understands that secondary. I love that hire. Cato June's a world champion, and he's climbed, and he, and he proved how much he wanted to coach. It was not easy. High school, he's at Bowling Green. He's an assistant linebackers coach, so they have experience on the defense. And we haven't really talked about Gus Bradley, who, who really impressed. And, and every single person you talk, around, talk to Gus Bradley about around the league, if I can speak clearly, they say nothing but amazing things about yeah. him. And then with Reggie... I mean, Reggie's a guy that his numbers speak for himself. He's one of the best draft picks in team history. And, and Frank talked about, I've been wanting them to hire for four years, and he will bring a championship mentality to this room. And the other thing is, and this is a good segue, 
T.Y. Hilton wants to play football next year. Who knew? T.Y. Hilton wants to play football. And a couple things that struck me. He's tied for third with Raymond Berry on the all-time Colts catch list. That yeah. matters. You don't yeah. want to be tied for third when one catch will get you third by yourself. He's 300 yards away from 10,000 for his career. That's a stated goal of his. And Reggie Wayne, who's his, one of his two mm. favorite teammates of all time, along with Andrew Luck, his mentor, the guy he would play as Madden as a kid, is coming back to coach the wide receiver room. Kind of, I think it's kind of perfect, actually. I think T.Y.'s waiting to find out who's going to be the quarterback, which yeah. I think is a totally logical stance. Now, they're going to have to figure out the money. Because that was a little bit of a sticky. But I don't think that'll be that hard. I think T.Y.'s going to have to take less. Uh, right. If he's not going to, that's not going to happen. Right. Right. It's not going to happen. They, right. they, yeah, that's clear. But I think he has to know that. Yeah. I think there's a value in bringing back T.Y. as your fourth receiver. I yeah. really think I, I think he can still contribute. We saw that in Arizona. And I think that guy, and Frank almost got emotional talking about him in the hallway yesterday. Just what he's meant to this team for four years. That matters. And I think having a guy like that stay with a guy like Reggie taking over the wide receiver room would be instrumental to Michael Pittman's development as well. Yeah, I, I could see a scenario where they add um, an important piece at wide receiver, whether that's free agent or draft. I, it could be either. I don't know. But I could see a scenario where they do that, and then it knocks T.Y. down a peg, at least maybe two. But he still has a role. He I can, think that's a good thing for the team. Right. I mean, you're, think about your depth and what it becomes when T.Y. Hilton is your third or fourth wide receiver. He can, uh, still, he can still find ways. He can still get open. He, can still, he still has great hands. He doesn't have the same speed. But he caught big touchdowns last year yeah. for, this, for this team. Yeah, he, he had to, out of necessity, be the number two wide receiver last year at 32 years that's old. That's not an indictment on T.Y. That's an indictment on Ballard. Well, that's the point. Right. I mean, like, it, even though everyone knew he was a diminished player, but, like, he should be an accessory. He shouldn't be, like, the guy. Larry Fitzgerald late in his career with the, with the Cardinals. Exactly. So, so I think there's a scenario where that works, but they gotta, he's got to come in with an open mind on the money. I think he will. I think he'll want to be here. This isn't going to be a business decision if he comes back, I feel like. It'll be more of an emotional one for him just because he's – Last year's was partly emotional. It, it was. The fans, it absolutely was. Yeah. The fans played yeah. a role. So it'll be interesting. I, I think that could be a really interesting uh, sort of laboratory, you know, with Reggie Wayne and T.Y. Hilton back in the same room. That would be really interesting. Uh, so I don't know. I, I just think it's going to be this, – this team in many ways could look very different next year. They're going to look different at quarterback potentially. They're – you know they have the, the coaching staff is very very different. It's going to be interesting to see what the results of that are. I don't know, but but the beginnings of it are starting here. And, and these three hundred prospects that they're talking to this week, uh, this is you know the start really of the two thousand twenty two season already. Whether you're ready for it or not, I was at the Super Bowl two weeks ago. By the way, <laughs> I was weird. in Jacksonville three weeks ago. It here seems we like <laughs> well, okay. Before we go, what was your number one takeaway yesterday when you? Yeah. Piece together everything we heard from the two decision makers, Chris Ballard and Frank Wright. What was the number one takeaway that you knew that you know now that you didn't know before we talked to them? I won't say I didn't know this, but I, I think the takeaway for me was I feel a sense of urgency. And and it's not necessarily what they said, it's just like they're they're not sort of giving just sort of uh, you know, happy platitudes. It's not. You they know shouldn't. What I mean? They shouldn't. I didn't hear any happy platitudes. Jacksonville happened. Yeah, and and these are two men who are famous for that. Let's be honest. You know what I'm saying? And I don't. There's nothing wrong with that. What they say isn't necessarily the most important thing, right? What you do is far more important. However, it does indicate a lot of things sometimes. And I I did not hear that. And I think it's a great question because I think 
that for me, it made me think, and I think that that is what I took away. Um, I mean, Frank Reich in particular is Mr. Happy Platitude, okay? And I love the guy, but let's be honest, right? He's never going to criticize anyone. He never, he loves everybody. He loves everything. And even he, I think you could, you said this earlier, is visibly uncomfortable talking about this because he knows like, okay, the heat is on. Like we got to, we got to make something happen. So I don't know. That was my takeaway. And I think that that should be something the fans keep in mind because I think that could potentially govern how they operate in this offseason. One thing you asked about, and you brought this up before, is I didn't get the sense yesterday that they're all aligned necessarily no. with this decision as of right now. They need to be, and they said they will be in the next 10 days whenever they decide, yeah. whatever the timetable is for the, for the quarterback decision. But um, I think Ballard openly admitted, look, we disagree on a lot of things, and it's probably – you know, you probably disagree on the most important position in the field. And it's a very, you can make a very sound case that in light of better options, in light of a lack of better options, run it back with Carson and see. I don't think that's the plan they go with. I think it's been decided. Mm-hmm. I think that was very clear yesterday. But I think these three decision makers know, like you said, they know that the seat's a little bit warmer this year. And I know the contract extensions are through 2026, but this team needs to win next year. And, and it starts with figuring out that quarterback position. And as of right now, that's, that's a hard position to fill. Yeah. Hey, look, for the first time, I felt like this team took a step back under this team, under this, the leadership of this brass, put it that way. Uh, they can't do that two years in a row. And they know that. I'm not saying anybody gets fired. I don't know. But all I can tell you is that raises the stakes if that happens. And they know that. And besides, they know they got to win. Boom. Yeah. They got to win. Yeah. I mean, they haven't done it. They, ha- they got to win. And they know that. So that's where I'm at. And I think they know that too. So. Uh, that will be very interesting. I, I think it, I think we could have a very interesting few weeks. I think free agency could be a little more busy than usual for the Colts. Uh, I think that could be uh, something to watch. And I think, obviously, the, the Carson Wentz situation over the next few weeks bears watching. March 19th is the day to remember, right? Just so, put that in my calendar. Yeah. So, look, Jim Mersey, uh, I don't get the sense he's uh, – in a hurry to pay Carson Wentz $7 million more than he's paid for. 13 I mean, it's... <laughs> well, right. That's right. So, yeah, I don't get the idea. I don't get the sense that uh, he's going to bend over backwards. A trade could happen at any point, but March 19th is essentially yeah. the deadline with the contract yeah. accelerations. Absolutely. So, anyway, hey, that's the uh, story from here from the NFL Combine. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. This is your latest episode of 1% Better. Hey, check out the site this week. We're going to have stuff all week. Uh, some relevant to the combine, others just sort of broad stories, but uh, but good stuff uh, for the past few days and more to come on the athletic. Thanks for listening.